So today we're talking again to Thomas Heller. Hi, Thomas. Hello. Thomas is a software, independent software developer working on Shadow CLJS. And today we're just going to focus our discussion on that. Uh, Thomas is also on Patreon and recently he got on the GitHub sponsors. So if you enjoy Shadow CLJS, consider supporting him because it's just an awesome tool. Um, so Thomas, we talked in season one, episode seven, about NPM interop, and we briefly touched base on like why did you create, create Shadow CLJS and stuff like that. So today let's just try to dive in to Shadow CLJS, just explain to everyone interested what exactly Shadow CLJS is. So what is Shadow CLJS? Right. So um, Shadow CLJS is a general purpose build tool for ClojureScript. Um, mm -hmm. So it's meant to be used standalone, but it can also run just inside Clojure. And mm -hmm. the focus was on making it easier to, first of all, use ClojureScript itself, and then use ClojureScript with uh, normal JavaScript via the NPM ecosystem. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned there are two things there, like Clojure library. Uh, and then we have the, uh, so I know there is, of course, the NPM package. So on the high level uh, point of view, how does it look like? Uh, right. So I, I made the mistake of calling the two parts the same name. So it's sometimes a bit confusing, <laughs> but um, there are basically main, two main parts. You want uh, one closure library. That's just a regular closure library and one NPM package that provides the command line interface so that you can run it um, without any other additional closure tools. So otherwise you would be using something like Linegin or the new tools steps. But um, I wanted something native to Node so, so that you can run without any of those tools. Right, so actually you don't have to use the Shadow CLJS NPM package to use Shadow CLJS. You can just include this in your, I don't know, project CLJ if you're using Lining and stuff like this and use it from there. Right, so you can, it's the, the closure parts are the parts that handle all the actual compilation and work with a closure script compiler. So these parts are pure closure uh, with some Java. <laughs> But um, they run inside Linegin, inside Debs EDN, inside Boot, and anything that can run Clojure, basically. Um, but they are completely standalone, and the NPM package just provides an, a command line interface for convenience. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So, what would be like a basic workflow, if you will, for Shadow CLJS? So the 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 basic setup is that each build configuration in Shadow CRJS. If you actually need a build, if you just want to use the, use the REPL, you don't need a build. But the basic workflow is always working on something by running uh, Shadow CRJS compile or watch. Um, mm -hmm. Those are development mode builds. Um, compile is just compile once. And watch is compile once and then wait for file changes and hot reload them. And um, when you're done with developing, you call Shadow CRJS release to produce an optimized build um, from the sources. Mm -hmm. And this, this optimized build, uh, this is using the advanced optimization with the Google Clojure compiler, right? Uh, yes, currently. Um, so that, that's dependent on the build target. And build target is, a, is an abstraction for the build configuration, which we'll talk about later. But um, 
currently all target also base supported targets use advanced compilation for release builds yes mm -hmm. um, so if i would be you know if i would start to use shadow CLJS or when i use shadow CLJS from the creator of this library what do you think are the important concepts that i should understand so one of the most uh, important aspects is that shadow CLJS uses the JVM, so the Java Virtual Machine, um, mm -hmm. because Clojure itself is running in the uh, Java Virtual Machine. That doesn't mean you need to do, you need to know Java or anything, or you need to use Java, but um, it is using the class path from from the JVM. And the class path is often misunderstood, or people don't understand it at all. <laughs> um, it's a virtual file system that mm -hmm. is composed of multiple class pass entries. So each entry in a class pass is either a directory. So if you configure source pass uh, in your, mm -hmm. in lining in or in shadow CRJS, um, that's one entry. And then all dependencies, which are packaged as jar files, jar files, uh, which are just zip files, um, are also part of the class pass. So Whenever you address something on the class path, so if you have a closure script or a closure namespace like demo app, um, then closure script will look at the class path to find a demo slash app.cljs or cljc file. So mm -hmm. the, the Java has a namespacing system, closure has a namespacing system, and closure script has a namespacing system. And that basically uh, defines where to look for files and that's an uh, that's the class pass is an important concept um, that other languages like javascript itself don't use so the way you talk about files is different and people always pretend it's not there <laughs> but it's an important mm -hmm. concept to learn so um, mm -hmm. just so you know where the files are supposed to be so there is a class path is there anything else that one should understand one of the aspects that's special for um, Shadow CLJS is the um, server mode. Um, in that, so, so starting Shadow CLJS can be pretty slow, or starting closure apps in general can be pretty slow. And um, it gets slower you know, the more dependencies you load. And um, so, always starting uh, a new instance when you want to run a compile or if you want to test something at the REPL is pretty slow. So Shadow CRJS out of the box supports running in server mode. Uh, what that means is you start it once and leave it running in the background in the project mm -hmm. and then all other commands you use will use that server. So you only pay for the starter time once and all commands you run after that basically run instantly. So it's highly recommended to run a server instance like Shadow CRJS server, and that mm -hmm. just leave that running while you're working on it. And the only reason to currently you need to restart the server is when uh, you change dependencies. Otherwise, there's no reason to ever restart it. You can start and stop builds and um, use the REPL or whatever uh, while the server is running. So um, yeah, in my workflow, I usually start it once per day, once per week depends, uh, and then just leave it running and all other commands run faster because of the server mode. Right. 
Okay, so the, the workflow would be I start the shadow CLGS in server mode and then I just start in the another, another tab in my, let's say, terminal or my editor. I just run the shadow CLGS watch. Uh, right, so the, the to make things a little bit easier, the all um, all commands that need a server, like like watch. If you, if you run watch, it needs to start. A, it needs to run in server because the browser apps and stuff need a server to connect to. So the the web socket for for hot reload, they need to be able to connect to the server. And so all commands that need a server will automatically start one if there isn't one, but mm -hmm. they will detect if there is one and then use it instead. So you can just run shadow CLJS watch with a build name okay. and then it will automatically start the server or you can run this, um, the server mode separately. And I, I recommend running it separately, but it's not really needed. The only, mm -hmm. the only bonus you get if you run it separately is that you can stop and start the the build separately. Otherwise, you need to kill the whole server if you want to restart the build. Right. Not that okay. you need, but yeah. Is there any other concepts that we should talk about when it comes to Shadow CLGS? Uh, I think that's the most important one. The most important okay. one. Um, so when I want to install Shadow CLGS, what are like the requirements or what are the steps for us? Uh, right. So first you need to decide if you want to use the command line tools or not. So if you want to use server mode, if you want to use um, the NPM packages, you would need to install NPM. So node, NPM comes with node. So if you install node, you get NPM. And um, otherwise you need Java. Just any any version after Java, Java 8 will work. So Java 8, 9, 10, 12, 13, wherever they are at now. Um, they all work. If you have the, the basic dependencies, you just run npm install shadow CLJS and you're good to go. And if I don't want to use the npm uh, package, as, as we said, we just added to our line depths or... Uh, uh, right. If you, if you don't want to use the command line tools, then you can just use depths EDN or project CLJ and just add the regular closer script uh, mm -hmm. um, Shadow CIGES artifact to your dependencies, just like you would at script or whatever. So after we install it, I think it's very normal to have a REPL running uh, when we do any kind of closure, closure script development. Uh, so what's the story with the Shadow CIGES REPL? Right. So once you've installed the, the basic command, you can just run uh, Shadow CIGES uh, node REPL. Uh, to get a node wrapper <laughs> uh, or shadow CLJS browser wrapper to get uh, the same just running in the browser. And mm. those are two built-in wrappers that are ready to go if you just to want to test out some code. And I mean, you can build your entire project from it, but um, those are the standard wrappers, just just like a normal closure wrapper, uh, closure wrapper. And you can actually just run a shadow CLJS CLJ wrapper to get a regular closure REPL, which you can then use to control all other commands of uh, Shadow CLJS. So mm -hmm. the REPL just basically lets you do anything. So it's a very convenient way to control the compiler and also to just run some closure script code. Mm -hmm. When you say node REPL, browser REPL, you mean like node-REPL and browser-REPL REPL, yeah, right. and then yes. the... Normally in Clojure, uh, we would just get the REPL running and then we just start to build uh, 
uh, our project or stuff like that. Uh, in ClojureScript or in ShadowTLJS, uh, we first would configure our builds. Um, so what's the story here? Right, so so you can just use the built-in node REPL and browser REPL and just get things running just like in Clojure. But the difference, um, or what's more common in ClojureScript, um, especially if you want to build for the browser, is that you maybe need some HTML that, that so that the browser can actually display stuff. Maybe you want to use some CSS. Maybe you need to run additional, maybe you need to talk to an actual server. So there are more steps involved if you just, if if you want to build an actual app. So um, for for Node REPL, so if you take the Node script targets or, or whatever, it's usually okay to just run everything from the REPL. I do that most of the time. But for the browser, there are many more parts that all need to play together. So it makes more sense to run a separate build and then use the REPL for that build instead of the generic browser REPL, which doesn't have any CSS or any of the fonts or whatever else you want to use in your browser app. So how would we go about configuring this? Right, so the the basic build configuration in um, ShadowCRJS is obstructed with a target. So the first th uh, thing you always specify is a target. And the target uh, basically defines uh, where this is going to run so that the compiler can create optimized output for each platform. So the, the, the browser is capable of doing different stuff than Node, for example. So the output looks different. So um, each build target is um, or each build is configured in the shadow cljs edn config file in the builds mm -hmm. map so they all have a name each build has a name or an id and the target then controls all the further options so you see you if you say target browser it ins, uh, expects different configuration than target node script because node script is way simpler but for the browser we often need to do more stuff so the build config itself controls how the output is written. So the, the compilation that happens is still the same, but the output is organized in different ways so that it can actually run in the browser or in Node or wherever. Mm -hmm. So for example, if we talk about the browser, what kind of options would we have to also uh, put in into the shadow CLJS Eden file? Right, so the, the browser config is actually the most complicated from all the configs, but um, the assumption is that uh, there is going to be one output directory. So the first option you usually specify is output deal. And mm -hmm. that just takes a path to a directory that defaults to public JS, but um, you can put it wherever. And that's the that's a directory that should be fully controlled by ShadowCIJS because all the output it generates will end up in that directory. And that's the directory that you will need to load from the um, HTML. So in addition to the output directory, uh, you need to configure a modules. That's how mm -hmm. ShadowCIGS sees the, the way browser config works. And modules or Nowadays, a better name is maybe chunks because modules is so overused. Um, modules basically uh, configures how the output should be 
um, split. So if you just configure one module, you just get one output file. But if you configure mm -hmm. multiple modules, uh, you get one output file per module. And that allows you to load code lazily um, to... If, if, your, if your main build gets too large, you can split it into multiple chunks or modules. So you can load them later for performance reasons. But yeah, modules is the, the basic, um, basic building block for browser builds. And you can just start with one. You usually, usually just start with one. And each module, it's a map. Um, each module has a name. And the name of the module becomes the name of the output file. So if you have modules main, that becomes the main.js in the output directory. And each, each module then has a set of entries. So the namespaces that module should contain or just for convenience an uh, initfn, so a function that should be called when that module is loaded. So Closure Scripts generates some output. Uh, that will ensure that this function is only called once when the build is initially loaded in the browser. And there are several other options for configuring modules, but the main parts are entries or just uh, initfn. Since you need to tell the ClosScript compiler or Shadow CLJS which namespaces should actually be in that module, which namespaces it should compile. Right. So this is how we would achieve, as you just mentioned, like the code splitting. And there is... Uh very nifty tool that you also created with Shadow CLGS, which is the build reports that you didn't talk about. And I think this is driving how we can actually split our code into modules. Right. So the, the build reports are especially built for the for browser builds because it, it is important in browser builds to keep them uh, small. It's very easy to reach multiple megabytes of JavaScript but if you want to load multiple megabytes of JavaScript, even if you gzip it to half a megabyte or whatever, it's still um, it's faster to load over the wire. But it's still slow if you need to load it on a on a on a not high-end device. So no, not a desktop desktop computer, but maybe a slow tablet or maybe a slow or not even slow. A modern phone can still be slow. Um, uh, so if you load it on a mobile device, um, then multiple megabytes of JavaScript is not a good idea. So that's when you want to start um, code splitting, uh, ideally. And the build reports just let you um, get a quick overview of what your build is actually composed of. So it will list the dependencies you loaded. It will list how much um, code they actually used. So that is after advanced compilation. So um, CLJS.core usually is over one megabyte, but after um, after um, advanced compilations, it's way way smaller. So um, mm -hmm. the build report just um, splits all dependencies and shows you how much uh, they actually contributed to the overall build size. And yeah, if you can, you should definitely use code split. Um, so how would I how would I run the commands to get the build report? Uh, right, so Shadow CLJS, uh, the, the command to run it, uh, a build report is not, not well integrated right now, but Shadow CLJS can execute any kind of closure code. So you just use Shadow CLJS run and then specify the namespace it should run, which is just shadow.cljs.build-report. Then the name of the build, so app, and then the name of an HTML file it should gen generate. So the report is just an HTML file. 
Um, but yeah, we will you're... probably reference the user docs so everybody can check them out from the in the show notes how exactly this can be achieved. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, so it's a bit easier. So this build report is one way to support the, uh, well, if you will, the development with actually more like a release. Um, what other development, uh, well, features does Shadow CLJS have? Right. So for ClojureScript, we obviously need uh, Hot Reload, uh, which Figby made popular, and Shadow CLJS just supports out, out of the box too. So um Hot Reload just lets you, whenever you make changes in a file and save it, um, the uh, Shadow CLJS server will just tell the um, browser runtime to load that code. So um, you get live feedback and that uh, that, that Hot Reload or um, can be configured in the, in the code itself. So you just use a metadata on, on a function and tell the compiler to call this function whenever a code is reloaded right. or something. So that's yeah. usually if you run, uh, if you use React or Reagent or whatever, um, that's usually a function that then just re-renders your UI to update the, uh, with updated code. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think maybe it's worth to mention that in ClojureScript, it's not like you need to reload. There is no reload of the browser. You're just swapping the state and it just appears uh, Life, right, so I, I learned that difference myself uh, in the naming. So generally, there's a live reload, which will just trigger a full page reload when whenever the code is changed. But the problem with live reload is that your state is gone. So right. in Shadow CLJ or in ClojureScript in general, um, which we first introduced was the concept of hot reload, which mm -hmm. just reloads the part of code that actually changed and maintain your state. So if you are, if you have any kind of UI state, the UI ideally um, stays in exactly the same state it was before, just using the new code to, if you change the, the, the render somehow so that an element is displayed differently or whatever, then that is, it's very fast feedback. So you don't have this delay all the time. Right, so there is the hot reload. Uh, what else do we have there? Uh, right. In addition to ClojureScript or JavaScript hot reload, um, we also get uh, CSS reloading. So that's not as powerful, but it's still nice if you just want to tweak the styles of something. Uh, the the Shadow CLJS server can detect if the CSS files in the um, directory change and then just tell the client to reload it Um uh, and this is also hot reload, right? Yeah. So the, the the page isn't reloaded. It's just the CSS that's reloaded. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. Cool. And I know you also have the uh, heads up display that shows like any kind of errors and stuff like this if you do anything on the client silly. Yeah. So for, for the browser targets, there's um, the, the traditional uh, heads up display um, that just uh, shows. Um, additional uh, build feedback directly in the browser. Um, but mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's the very basic hut. It's, it's, it's also just limited to the browser because you can't really show GUI elements for uh, node builds. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, I found it actually very helpful, this hut, uh, since I get the error messages, they were always very clear where the error is happening. So I think on the closure side, there was a lot of complaints regarding error messages. 
But I think the error messages in ShadowSell.js and I believe in FigWheel are just great. They're just fantastic for front-end development. So I always find it very helpful. Um, is there anything when it comes to targeting the browser that we should still talk about? Or um, So generally, when you want to talk to the browser or run things in the browser, you need some way to load the files. And oftentimes, it's not... Um, it's not, uh, if you just have an HTML file somewhere in a folder and you load it from your file system, then the browser will restrict what that file is allowed to do. So it's not allowed to open HTTP connections because that would be unsafe. So mm -hmm. um, in general, shadows or the HTML should be loaded by some kind of server. So just a regular HTTP server that is serving the static files. and um, you can use any web server. Anything re will do, really. It just needs, needs to serve files. <laughs> uh, but ShadowCLJS has built-in support for providing these development test servers um, so that you don't need an additional tool. It's just a config entry to, to start a, a dev HTTP server. And that's really just that. It's just a simple HTTP server that, ser that serves the files. But you can use anything for that. And if you are building an actual server site, so if you if if your app is going to talk to some kind of server, then I, I would always recommend using that server during development too. Uh, but sometimes you just want to build HTML code or HTML and JavaScript that's just a static page, so that it doesn't have a real uh, server component or just talks to some kind of cloud interface. So then mm -hmm. it's still convenient to be able to uh, to have a built-in dev server support and that's just a basic dev dev http server that um, handles caching so that it doesn't cache too much because it can can get problematic in the in a development environment if it loads old code uh, so yeah that's uh, that's one of the features you're probably going to use if you're developing without a server all right, so what other targets uh, does the Shadow CLJS support? Right, so the um, the browser target is the most complicated just because the browser is so complicated. Then there are easier targets um, for or dedicated targets for other platforms like uh, React Native. So, so mm -hmm. that's the last one I added, and it's... Uh, probably is the second most popular right now, but um, that just output the code in a style that the uh, that the Metro bundler from React Native um, can load, so that it knows which other JS code it needs to provide. But yeah, it's mm -hmm. it's just um, it's it's just about getting React Native support. I don't. Do any React Native development myself, so I don't actually know too much about React Native. But um, yeah, when it comes to packaging the output so that the React Native packager can read it, um, that's what the React Native target is about. Mm -hmm. So, is there any specific, I don't know, framework from the JavaScript uh, that it supports, or how? What What would we use to develop React Native apps in ClojureScript? So as far as the shadow CLJS parts is con uh, are concerned, there is, yeah. again, one output directory. That output directory will get all the files that are needed. And then the 
the build config takes an init fn again. It's just, uh, it's just a fully fully qualified symbol from any of your namespaces, and that function will be called when your app is initially loaded in the actual mobile or um, in the emulator. Mm -hmm. And that function then just does all the rendering stuff and all the React Native parts. Um, mm -hmm. And so right out of the box, the, the that supports anything that React Native supports. So you can use uh, the normal React Native, you can use um, Expo, or really whatever else is possible in React Native because it's just about the pattern is always the same. You call the the the, the output is generated. Um, it appends the init call so that it actually self initializes, and whatever else you want to run. So I did an example for React Native using uh, Reagent and Expo. Then I did an example for React Native using uh, Fulcro, and then I did an example using uh, Expo and Fulcro. I think. Yeah, yeah, I did a bunch yeah, of examples refine. that are just basic hello world examples, but they all show the differences. Right. So you said reagent, fulcro, and reframe. Is that correct? These three. Yeah, you basically basically anything that uh, that supports React Native on the closure script side will, will work. There's no special support because you control whatever the frameworks that do. And yeah, the 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 examples I made are reagent and uh, fulcro, but everything else should work too. Is there anything else uh, when it comes to targeting React Native that we should discuss? Uh, no, I think that's... I, I, I don't use React Native myself, so um, whatever else is needed, people just need to tell me. <laughs> um, okay. I'm happy to extend it. So the docs are, are a bit lacking right now, but yeah, the basic support works and I know that people use it. All right. Uh, so what are what other targets uh, do we have there? So we have browser, we have React Native. Right, and the, the, the other big one, uh, big ones are probably just Node for running code in Node. <laughs> and there are two uh, targets for that. One is just for running scripts. And scripts is a bit misleading because it can be actual apps. So if you want to write a server-side component or a server-side script um, that runs an HTTP server so that you build an actual server, um, that would be node script. So that's something you start from the command line and then either just finishes. So if you write a command line tool um, or it just keeps running if you write any kind of server. And um, that's the that's configured just like React Native. It takes a main function and that main function is co called with the arguments received from the command line. So it's just def and main, just like closure, enclosure. Mm -hmm. And then there is the um, node library that is for creating builds um, with code that will be included inside other builds. So if you want to publish something to NPM, maybe if you want to include some code in uh, in a node and otherwise uh, an app written in no in JavaScript, then node library would be would be the way to include that code into other JavaScript. So you mentioned these are the big three. So there's a browser, React Native, and a node. Uh, what other targets uh, are supported? So the 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 basic goal from the from the 
target abstraction itself is that this is extensible. And whenever I find um, personally or the, the targets I have built myself, um, there, there are more, but they are all getting really specific. So if you want to maybe run in, uh, in a Chrome extension that has its own target, but that's really specific to, so it's, it's just capable of building the output for a Chrome extension or a general browser extension. And then there, the idea is to have more build abstractions so that the engine can take care of most of the configuration. So there is one experimental target that I created for um, for uh, Windows uh, Azure, uh, so some of the cloud stuff that never right. that I never Microsoft really Azure, yeah. fin finished or extended. But there are more and technically or there should there, there could be more so if if they are so, so there could be a target for aws maybe mm -hmm. i i don't use aws but there could be so the 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 intent is that this is extensible so that you can add additional targets if needed if the others don't fill the role but right. then in so addition to that there are some testing targets um for right so yes, this brings me to the next point. So after we configure our targets and we have, let's say, the browser running, how do we test the stuff? Right. So so all the main target or the, the browser um, target has an additional browser test target. So for running tests in the browser, and that takes part of uh, takes care of most of the configuration stuff, so that you can just open the the HTTP server you connect for, uh, you co configure for it. Then you get a nice um, um, looking interface for running your test automatically. And they also run in combination with the hot reload. So the, your tests can run auto automatically whenever you uh, update the code. And mm -hmm. then there's a dedicated target for running tests in Node. So that's just named Node Test. <laughs> and that's just uh, the same. So it's it, it generates one output file. and Whenever, so that that builds that, that file is then standalone. So you then, if you want to run the test, there's an auto run option. But in general, so for for integrating into um, CI systems, is um, actually running uh, the test separately from the compilation. So you first run the Shadow CLJS compile or release for no test if you want to actually test the um, advanced output. And then you run node, the output file, and that file will, will run and produce produce the test output and would, would also report uh, the non-zero exit code whenever a test failed. So, that, so that's really meant for running in some kind of uh, CI system. And um, what else is there? Right, so the... the um, the browser test is really for running tests locally in your system, um, mm -hmm. but there's also a Karma test target, and Karma's basically a test runner that can run your tests through uh, in a headless browser. So, if you want to run the um, your code and your code uses some kind of DOM interop, then you need to run or you want to run in a browser environment and that's what Karma is for. It's just, it's a Java, a JavaScript library that takes care of running all the the browser setup and the, the 
starting the headless browser and then getting the output from that browser to your to the karma runner and yeah that takes care of most of the complicated parts of running browser right. tests so if if i would like to test uh for example if a specific dom nodes are in my whatever page what have you this is how i would do it yes that's what mm -hmm. karma lets you do Right. Uh, so, you know, numerous times we actually mentioned uh, a fig wheel uh, during today. And then I think we both talk about it and we both love Bruce work and fig wheel. Um, if there would be a small comparison that we could make to fig wheel, uh, how would we position that? And again, this is not shadow CLGS is better than fig wheel, etc. It's just comparison, uh, fair comparison, if you will. And again, uh, with a lot of uh, with a lot of love to Bruce's work when it comes to fig wheel, and I think inspiring the whole the whole hot reloading stuff. Right. Yeah. So the the idea uh, Bruce came up with was uh, with the hot re reload is really genius. So um, uh, yeah, the the development workflow we get from from ClosedScript is just great. So um, yeah, that's that's fig wheel. <laughs> um, but fig wheel itself, when it came out. Um, was just focused on uh, development, so it it had it didn't even support running um, release builds. So one of the main differences to uh, Shadow Sages or to Figwheel is that um, Shadow Sages has the, the the build target abstraction or the configuration um, already captures that there is going to be a development build and there is going to be a release build. So you just have one config, then can produce completely separate outputs. So whenever you use any other um, closer script tool, really, um, you always need to write two build configs. You need to want, you need to have one normal uh, build that that's just uses optimizations none so that you can run... Um, during development without long compilation times and can actually do the, the hot reload stuff. But for um, for release builds, you would make a separate config that's basically repeating the first one and then just changing optimizations from non to advanced. Sometimes you want, maybe want to make some other adjustments, but it's oftentimes just one. And in the past, you just had two different config files. And then CIJS.main came out um, mm -hmm. not so long ago. And that lets you configure um, or that lets you take care of more of the complicated options. But it's still all manual configuration, basically. And what, what's really different in Shadow CIJS from any other um, closed script build tool, really, not just FigWheel, is that each target also abstracts the the basic or maybe maybe just ideal um, basic set of config options you need for each target. So when you run a browser in development, it will apply um, the basic good compiler defaults uh, for mm -hmm. the browser builds. And when you run Shadow Series release for that browser build, it will automatically apply the optimal or good set of defaults for the browser targets. So you don't need to worry about most compiler options and um, tweaks because the compiler will already set the, the good defaults, which are usually good enough for all builds. So I, I, you barely ever need to tweak it. 
Uh, you can if you want to, but you really often don't need to. And it just makes configuration easier because you just specify what the target really needs so that the parts that are actually relevant to your app and then it applies a good set of defaults for the configs. So, and the, the other big difference to the other closure script tools is the integration with NPM itself. So we talked about this in the other podcast episode, but the, the goal here was to get access to all of NPM basically. So whenever you want to use any, any sort of JavaScript, you just use it like you would actually use it in any other JavaScript build. And uh, the in, in ClosureScript, that is still relatively limited to either using CLJSJS, which is a subset of packages of NPM, which are basically copied and cloned. And then they are often out of date and all our not all packages are updated or even available. Mm -hmm. So getting access to NPM directly get, just gets you access to more packages. And um, the other way, if 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 you were to use it in, if you want to use other JavaScript packages that aren't available uh, via CLJSJS, then you'd be using Webpack. So the the ClosureScript guide uh, or official recommend recommendation is to use uh, Webpack to get access to JavaScript. But that that means running an additional build tool that's different from the configuration and oftentimes complicated. So um, the NPM integration is really just NPM install the package required in your namespace like you would uh, like you would require other JavaScript code and then start using it. So no need to worry about setting up an additional build tool and uh, all that sort of stuff. Cool. Is there anything else uh, we would like to mention regarding Shadow Seal.js? <sighs> I know you have. Uh, I know you have a really good documentation. So I think all of those things that we discussed today, there is much more in the user doc. So we will also link that uh, as a resource. Yeah. And yeah, I think this has been great, Thomas. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you for taking the time and just talking about everything Shadow CLJS. And I hope people after this episode will have a better understanding on everything, and then yeah, we'll use it uh, more professionally. <laughs> Thanks. Cool. Thank you. Bye. Bye. If you find this podcast valuable, there are many ways you can support it. You can review it on iTunes or any other platform you're listening to. You can share it on social media with your friends. You can blog about it, discuss it on your own podcast, and you can support it directly by buying my video courses and learning ClojureScript and Clojure at my website, jacekshe.com. That's J-A-C-E-K-S-C-H-A-E dot com. Thank you for your support of this show.